We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Recording now. We are recording, so don't say anything messed up. Well, let me just get rid of this list of things that I had. Well, let me let, let me hear the list first, I guess. Like, <laughs> I might agree it's with some every, of it. I don't know. It's just all my grievances I have with the world. It's really not a great list. <laughs> it's but, like you know. I think what was the band was it the 1975 when like uh, the the guitarist had like to start the song before the singer said something racist real quick on stage. Oh. I don't know what band that is, but I do know what you're talking about. Like that was that was the clip of the recently. year for me when people ask like, "Are you okay in America?" I'm like, "No." Like, check this out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's the clip you point to. <laughs> I don't want to the show them the other clips. They're much worse. Like, there's some crazy they are. shit that happens. <laughs> surface surface level stuff. The 1975 or whatever band getting. Band exactly. It was a band I don't listen them. to, so that's. Uh... I haven't listened to them since undergrad, so yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I'm an old man now. I'm, I, I find new music every day, but none of it is, like, new, actually. It's new to me, but it's, like, this this band that came out in 2001. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is where I, this is where I feel comfortable. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a comfort zone. Exactly. Like, what have I been listening to now? Uh, I got really into this band whose lead singer, sadly, just passed away. Um, that's why oh. it popped up on Spotify, and I was like, "Oh, why oh. is this being recommended to me today?" It's because <laughs> because their lead singer just oh. died. Um, oh. It was Die Mannequin, um, which mm-hmm. they they had a couple of like really big singles in the two thousands, and I had heard them before, but not since I was a kid, basically. So I was like, "Oh, I love this!" Like I, I get back into it, listening to their like the Unicorn Steak album, um, mm-hmm. "Do It or Die" is one of my favorite songs from that album. I was like, "Oh, I missed this song. It's so good." Why is this coming back into my life now? And like, oh, because she died. I'm like, oh, well, that fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a way to like remind me of a great thing, but then also break my heart at the same time. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's the kind of new music that I find. That album came out in 2008. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh god, because uh, I'm an old wow. man. It's fine. Uh, just like you know, they make the jokes like, oh, this like 90s band is classic rock, and then I. Uh, I was taking a road trip a couple weeks ago and I was listening to an old, like an oldie station, but it was it, mm-hmm. like, does a classic rock hour. So a lot of like, sure. when we were kids, classic rock was things like Rolling Stones and uh-huh. they'd play the Stones song and then they played Nirvana. And I was like, oh, oh, wow, this is no longer a bit. This is just, it's true. It's just old I've now. heard, I've heard Linkin Park on classic rock. Ooh, that's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah some new metal in for classic rock that's a lot yeah limp biscuit's yeah. gonna be popping it, up on that playlist eh i mean probably i think right now because around the time that we were growing up rock music as like rock music is really defined was changing a lot with like new tech and like new genre so it's like a bunch of blended music whereas before it was very classic straightforward here's some grunge rock but with Linkin Park and yeah, like Limp Biscuit, it's all like yeah. I don't I don't I, do that very much. Experimental? I don't know. No, it's called new metal and you 
metal. And new metal. metal. That's yep. what it is. That's yeah. the that's the genre. I don't I don't listen to a ton of new metal. Uh, <laughs> in quotations, I listen no, to new N E W metal often. But I don't. I don't really to listen to metal, metal. music. I listen to metal music when I'm in the mood for it. But it's not like my go to. But I have a friend who exclusively listens to metal, and every time she sings me or sings me a song, she sends me a song. She does not sing them. Uh, she does not send me singograms. Uh, <laughs> she... <laughs> Every time she sends a song, because we'll send songs like, oh, this is perfect for like my D&D character. Or, I just right, found this right. on Spotify for like the campaign and stuff because we're both DMs too. So we'll send each other that kind of stuff. And it's always metal. And I'm just like, didn't you send this to me? Oh, no, it's just another metal song by a band that sounds exactly like the band you sent me <laughs> days ago. But the lyrics are different, but I can't understand what they're saying because they're screaming at me. So I have to look at the lyrics on Spotify if they're playing because I'm 80. Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> listen to a ton of like like screaming music. Like I've been into like a lot of like Finnish, like they call it metal, but it's more like heavy rock is really like the closest thing. Ooh, don't like, let don't let I know, that. and I've talked to Lisa about a lot of that stuff. I was into a couple of different bands and I had mentioned it to uh to her and she was like, Oh, I know them, I just saw them and stuff. I was like, Oh, this is cool. Um you, so there's a little bit of a crossover. You wanna know what band I just found out was Finnish? Which one? Him. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, no idea. Lissa saw them, like the lead singer of the band, in a supermarket. I'm just like, shut <laughs> up. You did not. And she's like, I seriously did. And I w- was this close to like, like talking to talking to the guy, but um, got nervous. I just feel like I haven't listened to him since like I was watching like a bootleg Bam Margera DVD. Yeah. And I was so, like trying to do so a kickflip. Like that's uh. I feel like I think it, that aged me more than anything I've heard this week. <laughs> like, I know. More right? gray hairs I just think, popped up in my head. It came up because I referenced the song Passion's Killing Floor. And she's like, you know what that is? I'm just like, of course I know what that is. It's him. It's like a it's a band from like my youth. And she's like, that's finished. And I'm just like, no, it's not. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> like, like that, that, that song true. came out in 2007. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> my youth. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the man. first year of high school. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh was it your first year of high school? I think so, 2007, 2008, yeah. I feel like I was still in junior high in 2007, like like 8th grade-ish for me. I well, like it it was the first year, so it was only like the first half of the year and then finished That's in fair. 2008. So you would have been in 8th grade in 2007 as well. Yeah. <laughs> but then also been in high school in 2007. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, anyways, let's get the show started. If you don't know, welcome to the Cave Trolls podcast. My name is Terry Smith, and this is the news, the TTRPG news, the good stuff, the rolling of the dice, all the stuff that you need to hear about, definitely not sourced from much better news sources, and then curated <laughs> here for you to listen to again, probably. Um, <laughs> with, with me, as always, is Sharday, one half of the Slovenly Trolls. Sharday, how you doing? I am doing pretty great and also feeling very old yeah we we are old let's just uh let's just get it out of the way uh i'm looking at a picture of gandalf and i relate far more to him (laughs) than i do to anybody else (laughs) in uh in the fellowship so let's get started there in our bits and bobs section where we go over all the new little games and supplements coming to your gaming table 
First up, we have Lord of the Rings role-playing. And I know what you're thinking. Terry, that's the One Ring. Everybody already knows about that. Yeah, and the One Ring doesn't sell as well as it should. So they've made Lord of the Rings the role-playing game, which is all the awesome stuff from One Ring 2nd Edition, if you like that. And they're moving it to 5th Edition. I think they're still going to be publishing both. But the idea here is, uh, hey, 5th Edition is now in the public domain. People like it. Let's also sell it. Um, to the people so they have this neat little trailer with um, Elijah Wood there um, they got a oh DM God. screen players handbook a little uh, uh, GM guide um, an adventure the Shire adventures I think is what it's called um, so I mean it's exciting like they're working on it. it's free league publishing we've talked about them a lot on the show they do a lot of cool stuff um, I'm excited for that uh, partly because I have a lot of friends that are way more into Lord of the Rings than me and you are and trying yeah, to get them to say, not me exactly what friends are you talking about? <laughs> uh, many of my other friends have tried to get me to run the one ring um but the uh, problem is okay. with that is like I already run a lot of different games at the table and I have mm-hmm. run the, the one ring and I've played it too and it's a fun game but it's way easier especially my Lord of the Rings friends are really tangential to D&D like they like that yeah. setting but they love the Lord of the Rings so they never got super into D&D and the ones that yeah. have like our friend Chelsea um it's always been uh-huh. like a secondary thing so just saying hey all those rules that you just learned about D&D you can now do for Lord of the Rings I think is uh going to be really excited yeah. for them so obviously I I bought it um <laughs> even though I have the one ring on my shelf already but uh so like i'm i'm excited for them i i don't care as much since i already liked the original system but i know more people will get into rolling the dice if it's uh D D, and people really like yeah. lord of the rings what are your feelings not being a lord of the rings fan like at all i don't care um, <laughs> <laughs> but i again like i i have the same feelings i'm like i'm happy for the people who want more lord of the rings in their D D games maybe don't have time to learn other systems that's also a big factor don't have the mental space to learn new systems or they're new to ttrpgs and they only play DD and they really want to play lord of the rings or they want to specifically play lord of the rings but with DD rules like this yeah, is perfect yeah. for them and it fills a very specific niche and i hope it does well and that the people who are meant to enjoy it will enjoy it i'm just not one of those people but that's okay <laughs> that's fair you don't have to be right not everything has to be for every person okay. Um, next up, this one I would say is not going to be for every person because it's such a niche idea, but really cool. Inevitable, a doomed Arthurian Western RPG. (laughs) Uh, this caught my eye. Um, it got posted, uh, when we were like, Hey, everyone share your Kickstarters and all that stuff. Uh, in one of our community things, uh, Lissa, I think tossed it in here. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is inevitable? And it's exactly (laughs) what it sounds like. It's a fantasy Western. (laughs) Exactly. It's Thanos. (laughs) Um, in this fantasy Western role-playing game, your party of disastrously sad cowboy knights fail to stop the apocalypse. Uh, and if that's not a great pitch, I don't know what is. I that's just thought that was pitch. genius. You can, uh, you can back and get the sad civilian, um, backing for a dollar or more. Um, you get the PDF of the inevitable quick start guide for 20 bucks or more. You get the full thing and the quick starter guide, but PDF. And I think the print edition comes with uh 40 bucks or more. I actually, that's 40 i don't know what that symbol is is that a euro pounds pounds Pounds, thank you um because again i'm i'm american trash so 50 (laughs) dollars us is about what that (laughs) that equates to yeah 
<laughs> um, so check that out. I don't think it needs us to water it down anymore. It's night, so you got six shooters instead of swords, and uh, you failed to stop the apocalypse. Arthurian, you know, if you don't know what that means, it's King Arthur. You got the round table, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Egwene, and... Uh, trying to think of things that people know and not our nerdy ass. Lancelot. So Lancelot's Lancelot. one. Lancelot people Lancelot know, right? Lancelot and Guinevere. Yes. Um... <laughs> she, should, she should be, but she isn't. Listen, listen. This whole ain't loyal is... Uh, I was I was talking to a buddy of mine and I, I was writing this Arthurian thing. And I was like, mm. do you know much about it? He goes, nah, nah, nah. Wait, hold on. It's got that chick with Arthur. She ain't loyal. <laughs> so ain't loyal. And it's stuck with me. It's like one of those things where it's like, it's not a reference to something, but it's forever in my lexicon that I hadn't yeah. heard anybody but Drake say that. And then I heard my buddy say it about oh my King God. Arthur's wife. Ah, uh, that was great. But yes, I agree. More people should have been knights. Knights are cool. Um, Definitely knights not a tool awesome. of an ancient oh, capitalist yeah. society. Um, or religion. Listen, it it was it was a monotheistic monarchy, <laughs> but but we all know it was capitalism, right? Like they were doing it for the money. Like <laughs> the people yeah. had businesses. Oh and yeah, religion is just early capitalism. <laughs> we just or figured it out real well. Early capitalism. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so before we get on a tirade about that, let's keep it moving. Let's just keep going, <laughs> uh, because otherwise uh, we will talk about the big bad uh, for the rest Uh-oh. of the show um cobalt (laughs) cobalt (laughs) press reveals project black flags official title and the kickstarter launch window um this comes from comicbook.com load faster christian hoffer over there wrote a pretty good write-up it's coming out uh may uh of this year um is when the uh, the kickstarter is going to launch it's got two books planned player's guide a monster's vault and it's going to be called tales of the valiant which is cool in a vacuum not as cool as project black flag i think they should have just kept that name um because yeah. it's taken me forever to be able to say it so i just thought like <laughs> i'm like i finally got it let's go with that that's a cool name but tales of the valley is still cool like i said in a vacuum we learned last month that it's pretty much pretty close to 5e rules with a few tweaks closer to pathfinder mm-hmm. um but it's cool that like they kind of stirred up all of the the underdogness along with the orc uh, which we're going to talk later on in the show about. And it's finally coming out. People are excited. I know a lot of my other like TTRPG friends who don't play at my table are already planning stuff around um, Tales oh, of the Valiant. Yeah. So like that's exciting. I, I don't think we're going to do it at our table. Uh, what about you at yours? Do you think you're going to be uh, getting uh, Tales of the Valiant? <laughs> Probably not, no. But <laughs> I I will be like keeping my eye on like what kind of games people are playing with it and then mm-hmm. steal their ideas as all DMs do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's also like, uh, depending on what other things they put out, like I don't need a player's handbook. I don't need um, like, a, like a bestiary or a monster manual or anything like that. Same with like a DMG. Mm-hmm. But if they put out like a cool adventure that's got some interesting yeah. rules or, mm-hmm. or a, a newer, more updated monster manual, since I buy a lot of those, maybe I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Right now, it seems like just like a good starting point if you don't want to buy D products which is awesome oh yeah but for people like us who've been playing for a long time it's not necessarily what i need at my table i might want something like that but i don't need it mm-hmm. and since we're mm-hmm. all poor need is gonna trump um <laughs> you know anything else so yeah. probably not at the moment uh i i'm excited for all the other people who have been talking about it and are going to be pivoting really hard to that um 
do you know anybody who specifically was like, hey, are we going to check out Tales of the Valiant? No. Okay. No. <laughs> most of my uh, most of my table, like, I'm the one who knows the, the most about other systems. And if that mm-hmm. doesn't tell you everything. <laughs> um, hey, you're not playing should, a like... weekly GURPS game, okay? <laughs> exactly. Like, I know more about other systems. <laughs> I've played... I played I played Call of Cthulhu and I played GURPS and I played D and D five E and I played three point five when I was like eleven. So like, <laughs> and that is the most like varied systems. I, the, the other DM friend I have, whose game I play in, she's played like D and D three point five, five E, and Pathfinder. Sure. So even yeah. then, like I'm the one who knows the most, which is <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> I don't think. I've played so many, and yet there are so many that I haven't played. And there are so many that I don't play on, like, a regular basis. So when I yeah. hear it's, like, another 5e thing, I don't mean to sound disappointing uh, or mm-hmm. disappointed. It, it's more just like, okay, I already have a thing that does that. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, the version yeah. of D&D we play on a weekly basis is so hodgepodge it might be unrecognizable to a rules lawyer at this point anyways, so... 100%. Like, when was the last time you, <laughs> you rolled straight-up initiative in one of my games? Like, I can't... I, I feel like maybe just this last session was the first time in, like, a year that we were like, well, yeah, let's use the initiative rules. Well, yeah, yeah, usually, because uh, we uh, try to avoid big battles. That too, and then yeah. when And then, like, when we do get into combat, it's way more like, I'm going to do this really big, crazy thing. I'm going to accidentally roll really well, and then <laughs> we're just going to avoid it for some reason reason that the dice gods have ordained like <laughs> <laughs> there's just like there, there's so much to be gained as you look to other systems um mm-hmm. the first time i really started like homebrewing just like little rules like that instead of just like a setting was the first time i played shadow run shadow run um the way its initiative works if you have somebody who's really really fast in your group say like you had the flash right you're playing some sort of yeah. superhero thing in shadow run the flash mm-hmm. would get multiple turns based on their initiative um wow. and that was the first time i, I read oh okay maybe D's initiative isn't the best way to do it i don't love shadow runs is the best either i usually do like either like a popcorn initiative where like you guys pick who goes next or mm-hmm. like we just go like in a cinematic way like and like when i interrupt mm-hmm. with the, the orc is gonna punch you first you're okay because that would be the coolest thing to happen right now yeah you know but yeah. i so i'm excited for these other rules let's move on uh, first draft of the Orc License, ready for public comment. This comes from the Paizo blog. Um, it is up and ready. You can go check it out and see what your opinion wow. is on it. I haven't had a chance to fully read it yet. <laughs> Me neither, but I have glanced at it, and I will say on first glance, holy crap, did they learn from Wizard yeah, Coast that's, that's what I like, understand as well. <laughs> they at least from formatting. I just I haven't I also haven't had a chance to read through it yet, but like just they have watermarks on it that says draft only feedback feedback, feedback requested. requested. Yeah. And remember <laughs> one of the first things that Wizard said was like, "Oh, what leaked was like everything is a draft up until it's published." But there was no draft on that document, but this they're like this is a draft, this is 100% a draft. Um please like give us feedback and don't hurt us 
don't eat us alive, please and thank you. Well, and the I, genius, I kind of chuckled when I saw that. <laughs> exactly. Like, that was awesome. Like, the genius of, of saying, well, it was a draft doesn't mean that wasn't the goal, right? Like, it just means we hadn't yeah. published it yet. <laughs> exactly. But also, it just seems like it'd be a flat-out lie because draft wasn't anywhere on it. And usually with any sort of corporate document that I've seen, but I'm, I was in a very niche, like, publishing part of the world and news where, like, draft said draft on it. So yeah, you had that, to do that like, for... For legality okay, purposes, sure. because it needed to yeah. be uh, fact checked. Whereas I worked yes. in like corporate, and like we didn't give a fuck. Like <laughs> it's a draft technically until we tell people this is the thing, so we can lie okay. as much as we want in the board meetings. Sure. Um, yeah. And that was the logic they were using. The thing is, is like you're talking again. It's rule. It's the rule of the law versus the um. What's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? intent no. uh the feeling i don't remember um but like intent. Intent yeah sounds right. but like but you're dealing with rule of cool people here you know like yeah. <laughs> like, like you say, oh technically it's draft like yeah but we know you were trying to fuck us we're not idiots well i mean yeah, we are but we understand this part of it we may be idiots about a lot of things but this is one thing we're not idiots about Thanks. exactly just reading this like cursory as we were talking and like i i like what i'm seeing here i like that it's so it's so limited when it comes to what they're saying here like they don't have 45 pages of legalese yeah. it's like hey we don't need 45 pages because listen your shit is yours um our shit is yours <laughs> um mm -hmm. we're we, like we, if we change this this is still good um mm -hmm. so like I'll, I'll call attention to like the product identity parts which is like trademarks and, and everything we were talking about here that's yours the person who publishes um mm -hmm. the stuff that we are giving up through the orc is pretty obvious too so not just like the big publishers like paizo who are signing up for the orc or it's like they should give away stuff but hey if you're smaller know what you're signing up for with the orc is really important here too um so i love that and like you said it's got a watermark and as well as on every single top of the page it says draft only feedback yep, draft only <laughs> literally everywhere it's just like don't worry we're not wizards we're not gonna fuck that part up this is definitely a draft so even if it gets taken out of context like a couple years down the line there's draft literally written all over it so and like I, it, like you hilarious. lose affiliation with the orc immediately like if you look in their other terms and conditions terminations and remedies your license uh, of use of the orc content will terminate automatically if you fail to comply so there's no bullshit of going well we put this out to protect people from like if you put out like racist shit even though we put out racist shit uh we don't yeah. want other people to do that that's our thing um <laughs> like they they have it built in so there's no like well we're changing it to accommodate more of this like no 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 like they're making this it seems to kind of make this the final um like it, it even yeah. says like their modification section it may not be amended superseded modified updated <laughs> repealed revoked deauthorized whatever language mm -hmm. you want to use this is in perpetuity so um all cool things i'm excited i'd love to see the feedback that comes from this from smarter people more like contract-minded people um more lawyers mm -hmm. and stuff like that I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes of this um really cool stuff uh and if you in the community if you've read this and you have problems or praise for this please let us know i'd be excited to hear other people's thoughts since we just skimmed it just now <laughs> mm -hmm. uh any other thoughts before we move on char i will read it later but yes <laughs> <laughs> that's i think that's, that's all fair. my thoughts that's just fair. vibes <laughs> so just vibes um exactly. moving on the last of us meets little miss sunshine in this survival mm -hmm. tabletop rpg 
Uh, don't miss the last caravan. Car- caravan. The caravan. Caravan. I just oh, learned about this. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, I need another cup of coffee. Um, from Alex <laughs> Meehan over on Dice Breaker, a new survival tabletop role-playing game takes inspiration from both The Last of Us, Little Miss Sunshine, called The Last Caravan. The up- caravan. Uh, the Damn, upcoming. Now you're just overcompensating. <laughs> this is where I sound like, I sound like a man. Um, <laughs> the <I> upcoming... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's like that scene from from Endgame when they were mocking um, Chris Pratt's uh, Star Lord voice as he tried to get low like Thor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I sound like when I try to sound like quote unquote a man. Um, <laughs> there's nothing masculine about my voice, and I'm okay with that. Um, I swear. <laughs> and I know saying yeah. I'm okay with it makes more, it sound like yeah. I'm not okay with with it but the i am i swear please don't the throw me in the locker um the more i believe you <laughs> so uh post-apocalyptic world aliens landed on earth neither side won they fight for survival across north america um i don't want to go too in depth because i haven't played this i just heard about mm-hmm. this game this morning so i don't know a crap ton about it um but the kickstarter's up let's go check out that kickstarter together and it's see what just a it has a notify me on launch page oh so that's that's why I don't know anything about, about it. it. That makes more sense. Because normally yeah. I get a little bit more info about these things. Like, uh, I, I'm part of a couple of different services. They send very informative emails to me with these different articles. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that makes more sense. But it comes from Ted Bushman. Um, and over on their Kickstarter, you can sign up to uh, uh, kind of get more. And I will say, like, people mentioned The Last of Us and a couple of different articles I read. They say it's Little Miss Sunshine meets War of the Worlds. Um, so if you don't Little mm. Miss Sunshine, really really good indie road trip movie uh go check it out steve carell's in there um but meets more of the worlds is more appropriate in my opinion with the aliens being on earth and Mm -hmm. people trying to fight back uh so yes check that out i will say like has anybody mentioned what like system they're using because they're saying all the things that i'm interested in but yeah i don't see anything either is that by design it could be it could be <laughs> I, listen we all know it's gonna be powered by the apocalypse anything i find interesting <laughs> gets published and in, in powered by the apocalypse um oh, big and, yikes. sorry terry <laughs> it's okay. i got called out last week they're like yeah and this guy hates powered by the apocalypse on twitter and i was like i don't hate it it's just not for me it's not the game i prefer <laughs> i recognize all of its merits and its pitfalls mm-hmm. and people really really enjoy it and that's awesome i'm so glad for you I just don't want to play it. And that's okay. Yeah. Not and a that's bad okay. Guy. There are so many other systems out there that can like, literally fit at most play styles at yes. this point. And I love yeah. the stuff that's published there. I just think sometimes when I'm like, oh, this looks so awesome. Ah, it's empowered by the apocalypse. I don't really want to check that out. It's just not for me and a lot of people at my table. Yeah. That's okay. And like you do and you also you don't want to take the time to adapt it to a system that you want to play in. Because yeah. you could do that, but like that takes time. Yeah, and like the only time I've ever done that is like usually for an IP I really want to do like if yeah. an IP puts out a game and I'm like well it'll be better if I put it into Cortex or GURPS or yeah. D&D or yeah. what have you um, but anyways moving on Minecraft mobs now have official D&D stat blocks and you can download them for free um, <laughs> this came from a little article from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker um, you got the Enderman there the creepers the the zombies etc the Ender Dragon was another cool one that they have published over there this is part of the big crossover between Honor Among Thieves and D&D content and Minecraft if you don't know they put a bunch of different levels and worlds with D&D 
D&D stuff in there. You can go play on, like, the public servers in Minecraft. They can't cross over to your world, which sucks. But um, if you're just feeling like that D&D flavor in your Minecraft, your peanut butter and their chocolate, if it were, um, you can go do that. Now it's crossing over the other way. So if you want to play that Minecraft D&D homebrew, you can start on that right now. Which is something that, while I don't find that appealing, that was around when Minecraft first launched and was playing it in, like, its beta version. I feel like there's so many people that grew up with that, that nostalgia play. I don't think that's the best. This is a pretty good crossover for that. Like, those people are probably getting into D&D right now and wanting to do things that they find nostalgic. Like, I remember when I run, like, D&D Digimon stuff, right? My 90s friends fucking loved it. So, Enderman and doing, like, a Minecraft world, I feel like that's uh, a no-brainer. Do you know anybody who's really into Minecraft who's going to use this stat block? No. <laughs> um, Give me something but, to work with here, Shark. God damn it. Well, I, I just, again, I'm happy for people who are into it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think I talked to you about this, like, last week, or no, two weeks ago. Yeah, when, when they announced it. GURPS. Yeah, and they were just like, yeah, Minecraft. I'm like, I've never really played Minecraft. Like, I've still never played Minecraft. I've watched other people play it, and I've there's it always shows up on my For You page on um, TikTok. Like with all the really cool um, atmospheric mods that they make for it, and all the sure. really cool builds people do with it. Like I watch from afar, and I love the concept of it. I just never got around to playing it. I'm never ruling it out, but like this isn't like I understand why people would want to put this in their game if it's something they really love and they just kind of like want to pay homage to it because like most D and D games do that with like fantasy literature or Forgotten Realms stuff or what have you you kind of copy paste stuff from the real world and stuff that you love and stuff your players love and you put it into the world and like there is in a hundred percent chance that this already existed in a homebrew somewhere but now D is like officially making it which yeah. is good and accessible for sure for people who like maybe are iffy about trying homebrew or don't really even know it exists so it's I like it. I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, it's exciting. I know back when I was first playing D&D in high school, uh, I was like 15, 16, this would have been the type of thing that we would have jumped all over because there were so few tie-ins when it came to like official D&D things. That was sure. just not where the market was at all. So like this is exciting, and I'm glad people have that. Will I be rolling up a Minecraft world? Probably not right now, but my son fucking loves minecraft so Mm -hmm. um potentially something there my nephew also was really into minecraft for a number of years and i say that now and i'm like oh yeah he's 20 now so probably less into minecraft (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i think the the way i've seen minecraft in the media recently is yeah it's very like young like teen and earlier game like you can play it at such an early age so i see a lot of like young kids playing it so this is totally like their jam and that's rad wow grandma thank you for your input let's uh let's keep going (laughs) over to our next section our village crier this is where we get into the news where i go in the town square and i just start yelling it at you until you give me a Mm. quarter to stop um Mm. i'm like a jukebox but like reverse um first up we have the alchemy rpg a reimagined virtual tabletop we've talked about it a little bit on here and we've talked about other vtt's um this one's exciting it's got all of the 2d bells and whistles that we were talking about isn't going to exist in the uh dnd yeah. beyond unreal engine 5 this is realistic mm-hmm. graphics stuff this is I, i've messed around with alchemy a little bit it's it's a really cool thing if you get the chance when they do any of their testing i recommend going to check it out if you're looking for a vtt um it's it's mm-hmm. 2d but it's very premium uh the best way i can describe it it's like um 
uh d uh what is it d20 is that the roll 20 it's like roll, roll 20, 20 meets the lo-fi girl hip-hop uh channel <laughs> from youtube yeah when it yeah, comes yeah, to like yeah. chilling like i love like they they have this like camping animation with uh with their tent and like you can do different things around the fire like, it's it's uh-huh. very cool it's uh, very much all vibes you know um with the normal suite that you would expect from a good vtt with like your tiles mm-hmm. and importing importing maps and being able to move that stuff around mm-hmm. all that being said it's getting new attention right now because they just announced as their kickstarter is coming out um that pathfinder um is going to be a big portion of their their uh version one of alchemy uh they've partnered with paizo um i got the official message right here from alchemy rpg after much anticipation and many requests and early access we're so excited to announce our partnership with paizo creators of the beloved fantasy role-playing staple pathfinder second edition um which is really exciting for a number of reasons it was probably already going to have the rule set available but the official tie-in makes everything so much easier you're not gonna have to go Mm -hmm. in and customize and make sure the rules match like you do with some other vtt's um probably really exciting for alchemy but the big conversation comes from uh comicbook.com's uh D section the character sheet i don't know if you checked out any of their stuff on youtube or over on comicbook.com i think Um, it's uh by christian hoffer like he runs that yeah which is a big crossover we've already mentioned him several times yeah um and uh does he do stuff for dicebreaker too is it mostly for comicbook.com he might do some it's most i think it's mostly for comic book gotcha um but his name's come up obviously on this show in a couple other articles and a really really good youtube video about the comparison on is does this mean that possibly this is going to be the main competitor like i always think of roll 20 when it comes to the competitors mm-hmm. of D beyond and what they're trying mm-hmm. to do with the vtt but does alchemy come out on top because now they have the official paizo license um yeah it's a really interesting thing i got i put a link to the youtube video there's not much else i can say not being a big vtt guy char what about Mm -hmm. you i know you're also not as well but do you have any other insight on this i mean like i saw the announcement and my first instinct when i saw it was like oh brother (laughs) (laughs) and i it's the c word it's the capitalism hater in me you know that's the c word oh man yeah well, I mean, the other word, I mean, I probably can't say on this show. I mean, but, you could. Um, I mean, we own the show. We don't need to. Like, it's it's not necessary. I, the thing is, I say it very flippantly because I spent like three plus years in the UK. Mm-hmm. But whenever I say it in conversation here, people look at me like I just like kicked a baby. Yeah, so. it's a different taboo here in the States. It's a different um, taboo here. They yeah, also but, prefer so. you don't kick babies, though. I want to I want to say that. Um, yeah, in most but, places, weirdly. Yeah, 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 I would say that that's, that's one, that, one cultural Strange. norm we have with most other that countries. That we share with we most countries, yeah. We don't prefer you kick babies. <laughs> I wouldn't say people don't but, do it. People definitely do it, but we prefer you don't. We prefer it. Yeah, it's frowned upon. It's frowned. You know? Yeah, Some laws. yeah, I wouldn't say there's dabbled. a lot of laws against it. Um, it's frowned upon. <laughs> you could shoot as many babies, apparently, oh, in our country, but no car. kicking them. Um, okay. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Right? Uh, moving on. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just saw the, K- the C word, and I'm just like... I am glad that, like, Alchemy is going to have, like, an official tie-in, but mm-hmm. this seemed like a very this didn't seem like an ease of use thing to me at first glance this seemed just like oh this is a very business move and paizo is 100 percent making a move against the D vtt trying to kind of usurp even though they say they're not going to or they're not trying to they're that's 100 percent part of the reason that at least hasbro is pouring all this money into the D vtt yeah it's, it's always, like it's now both, paizo yeah. 
Yeah, it can be both. It can definitely be both. And Paizo partnering with VTT is them getting a horse in the game as well. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, it's a very capitalist mindset. Just like, okay, you have your shiny toy. We have our shiny toy. And then there's poor roll 20 in the middle. Just like, we're just here and we love everyone. And we always have, (laughs) and you can use this for anything um okay <laughs> but i mean <laughs> like with this like i mean i agree with all of that but also i'm like i'm glad they're doing it for for alchemy i'm glad they're doing it for for paizo and the fans of pathfinder yeah. the thing is like they they have to a little bit right because if they don't yeah, they then do. then people go well they don't have a good vtt license yeah i would prefer them partnering with somebody like alchemy rather than saying we're gonna put out our own thing and create more competition yes. so there's yes. that if you have to pick like a good from this yeah, it's um, not them. It's not them pulling a D and D Hasbro thing of like mm-hmm. we're creating our own VTT, which will have tools for other systems, but like it'll mostly be for ours. Mm-hmm. And Pathfinder instead took the route of we're going to partner with this team that's already doing things that we enjoy, yeah, and that our community is also already using. So it is. It's a smart business move. It's going to be great for people who love Pathfinder, but again, it's just I'm just a cynic. So yeah. I'm just like, this is just purely business. I'm sure a lot of people are super going to enjoy it. And that's awesome. Both but can also be true. For, both can be true. And I'm just worried about the people who do play a lot of systems who feel like maybe they have to invest in multiple different VTTs in order to have the best possible experience for an individual game. So mm-hmm. like the D&D VTT will be very, very good for D&D. Mm-hmm. Alchemy will be very, very good for Paizo. And then you'll have other VTTs that have things for all of the systems. But because they have things for all of the systems, they'll be more watered down and maybe not as specialized in experience. So I'm worried that the consumer who just like looks at all these VTTs, who does play online, is going to have like all these different choices to make. And like, you know, obviously cost is going to be a huge factor. Like, which of these is going to cost more money? That's Mm -hmm. probably going to be a big topic of conversation in the coming year. So I'm curious. I'm going to be keeping my eye on it. But I'm just, as somebody who doesn't use VTTs, I'm mostly going to be watching this from the outside, judging silently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But not silently because we have the podcast. We're we're not (laughs) judging and watching. (laughs) We're we're two white people with a podcast, Char. We're far from quiet. Yeah, it's true. Um, But but, like, I I agree on on all the sentiments. I would prefer more competition than less, though, right? So at least like this is a competitor to that one. And like a lot of what we threw a fit about last week was... Um, alchemy is at least runnable on far more systems that can't run yes. Unreal Engine 5, right? 100%. So, like, yeah. I, w- I was able to run it. I mean, I have a better rig than you, but still, like, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> you think of, like, Mac stuff. Um, I don't remember mm-hmm. if they're going to be doing in-browser stuff. They might be. Um, so all, all those, all those things being said, it's exciting, um, that more people are throwing their hat into the ring. I, I don't think it's ever going to be a thing that we utilize, but I'd love to hear yeah. more from, from the fans at home who do utilize things like that. I would love to hear what your preference is right now and what you think is going to be in the future. Um, and also go listen to the lo-fi hip hop. Like it's just a great, great <laughs> it's good vibes. It's good, great vibes. Fives only. Great vibes. Some would say, 
Um, <laughs> anyway, my the thing that I do is I do the rain channel version, and it's basically the same oh. thing, but there's rain noises too. Um, anyways, nice. it's got a little girl. She's like standing with an umbrella, waiting for the bus, oh. and like cars go by. Um, nice. <laughs> tell me you're an anxious oh, person bye. without telling me you're an anxious person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, moving on, uh, let's talk about the one D&D news that we didn't get to last week. Um, specifically what came out of the Creator Summit. Um, I've sourced Daniel Kwan's, uh, thoughts over there from their Substack and, um, a comicbook.com article talking about it, but they've popped out lots of different places around, um, so... Mm-hmm. Do you have a preference for where you want to get started? Otherwise, I'm going to run through basically in order. I mean, yeah, I think the biggest thing we should probably start with, because it's the thing that most people are talking about, is how one D&D is clearly now being super pivoted from, like, (laughs) a new edition, which was, they were always kind of wishy-washy about it. They're like, well, it will be backwards compatible, but also we're thinking it might be its own This will be the D&D going forward. This is, it's one D&D. That's why we're calling this. Yeah. But now it's like, these are conversion tools. Everybody's like, what? (laughs) What does that mean so <laughs> yeah it's what it's being called a revision according to yeah. uh, crawford perkins herman the people who were presenting yeah there for 1D&D. and basically this is an updated version of what they're calling an updated version of fifth edition it's a revised adi- mm-hmm. edition it's not dnd 5.5 it's not dnd 6 edition which they've they kind of said but it seems like like you said they're they're pivoting they're backing off a little bit and yeah. on top of all that probably not going to be called 1D&D anymore there's probably going to be called fifth edition revised probably um so there's that because fifth edition has a lot of power and they just gave it away to people for free so they're like why we shouldn't change our name because then people aren't going to buy this product because they're going to think it's not compatible which it kind of isn't Mm -hmm. so uh, (laughs) so many things so i'm just like what do you mean a revision this is a whole new edition from the stuff that we've been seeing in like the the unearthed arcana like the different rule changes like Mm -hmm. what advantage means like where you can get advantage like it's almost like they want us to think of it as like oh here's like a really thick like 400 page like xanathars because xanathars adds a lot of new rules to the game and so just tasha's cauldron of everything but they're very supplemental you don't need them so i'm just like are they trying to make like this one D &D stuff just like a big ass version of one of those but they're also releasing a player's handbook and a monster manual so i'm like it's very confusing. They just need to pick a lane because I'm confused. Well, the I'm... thing is, is every time they pick a lane, they pick the corporate lane and we get mad and they go, well, we can't be mad people and they're not going to buy it. So let's That's back true. this off. Like, but we can't back it off because we already decided what it is. And they go, oh, well, um, we still need train tracks because otherwise our, our trains going to go off. <laughs> so just tell them something. And they go, okay, it's, it's this. So like, uh, there's that it's probably not gonna be called one D. like you said there it is still a revised edition it's still going to be different what no matter what they call it they're changing things yeah like they they just yeah. announced that they're gonna start doing the playtesting for weapons because they're changing the rules for weapons to make them a little yeah, bit just... less uh, uh what's the word um arbitrary it, and like yeah. <laughs> like a few more like rules act, to make them feel different from what i from what i understand like making it more pathfinder like yeah, making it so the weapons actually like, like the the different weapons like actually have cool things that you can do with them individually so that when you have a sickle which is a cool ass like looking weapon but really just acts as like a fancy dagger yeah it's the same thing it's the same thing it just you can say you have a sickle right or like a hand sickle 
um, like adding things that make the sickle cool or cooler to use that is not just like your DM flavoring it. Right, which like, can be fine. Like, sometimes that. I prefer flavor because, like, yeah. the thing, my goal at my table in any game, no matter what I pick for it, the reason why I pick that game, the reason why we use a rule is so when Sharday comes up with something cool, <laughs> I can tell her what she needs to roll. That's my mm -hmm. only goal as the GM and the players at my table agree with that goal. That's what we're trying to do so we can tell a cool story. Some people, mm -hmm. though, want more specifics of that shit, and I get that. And mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't feel as good when you have a hammer and they have a blacksmith's hammer and they roll the same thing because yeah. that's the closest thing you could find in the PHP. I get mm -hmm. why some people get frustrated by that, and I, I've been there before too. So mm -hmm. that stuff's exciting. It's funny that you're trying to tell me that this is the same game no. yeah just call it just call it 5.5 you have the fifth edition that people love and then it's an enhanced fifth edition right just call it like i think that's the best of both worlds at this point just call it D 5.5 3.5 was wildly successful because of like how much they revised third edition and like usurps third edition people don't even talk about third edition they just talk about 3.5 so, i don't like, think i know anybody who, the goal? who played third edition I, all of my friends and i played 3.5 i don't exactly <laughs> and so the why people not... before that played second edition and never picked up third edition <laughs> yeah so why not strive to do that again and yeah. like make 5.5 usurp fifth edition which is their most popular edition they've ever done and so, like, why not do that? I think they're just, they're, they're trying really hard to not lose everybody in this, like... You know, they're like, not doing a good job. <laughs> no, it's not great. But then again, like, no matter what they would have said here, I feel like the revised edition, 5.5, 6 edition, whatever it was going to be, was not going to be at a lot of people's table. Um, well, no. So I think change. Exactly. And, like, even the people who don't hate change, like, I don't hate change, you don't hate change, we're not going to buy it, probably. At least not right away, so... Well, not right away, yeah, because we're running campaigns that are already <laughs> in 5th edition, and right. it'd be a pain in the fucking ass. Like, just literally, yes, not yesterday, no, two days ago, because I had to move my campaign day this week. Um, I had to make a call in the middle of combat because I forgot a rule in fifth edition and I felt real bad about it. And I'm still learning stuff about fifth edition. And like, I, I feel like it would, if I changed to one D and D during the campaign that I've been running for almost a year now, no, eight months, year ish. Yeah. Um, it would just feel like I'm changing things in the middle and I, we would have to relearn a whole new game and it would just take away from the flow. Of and, game. and it definitely does um there i've done that i've changed systems on a number of campaigns and uh we've gotten really good at it with a few of my friends like uh we've changed systems mid-session before um oh, shit. like really we have like uh most notable we were playing again uh powered by the apocalypse hate coming through um oh, we no. were playing the Me avatar too. um uh pbta uh version mm -hmm. game we were very excited for that finally we love avatar the last airbender for you blue people out there we're talking about the last <laughs> airbender um we were very excited for this game and we came out and it was powered by the apocalypse but we we're like we'll give it a shot we had just played city of mist we've played this before we know the rules and it just not was, was not for us it didn't have the freedom that we wanted out of that and we pivoted mid-session it was like well we have the genesis books which if you don't know is the system that uh fantasy flight star wars games are based on so um the rebellion uh, uh fates of destiny or something like that i can't remember mm -hmm. um but like star wars right there's three different star wars games in that um and genesis is like the generic version 
Um, very, very cool game. Improv heavy. Awesome for like, Hey, I want my fireball to look like this as I do this martial arts move, which is avatar. Right. And we switched midway through the session. And because we knew all these systems, we can do that. However, me and my friends are really fucking weird. A lot of us are autistic (laughs) and we have our hyper focus. It's, you know, TTRPGs. We're able to do that. Most people cannot. Most people like, like Char mentioned, like, it'd be very difficult to move over. And then also there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through because they're redesigning spells. They're changing what classes yep. can do. Um, yep. So trying to have a continuity at your table is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I, I don't see a lot of people doing that anyways and making it, so it's backwards compatible is a good move, but the fact that they don't still, they still don't know what this is, it seems, or what they're yeah. going to try to sell it to it as is not, comforting um no especially since we're what like a year out mm -hmm. from release so like at this point they should know or here's the thing just put out another community survey that you're not going to read to say that you're thinking about it (laughs) or like something because like it just seems like we're getting all these mixed signals which is I think the big overarching issue with 1D&D so far is like what is this and how can we use it and what is it going to become and what are their goals but also it's not the only issue which they <clears throat> kind of tackled in the summit as well because there's exactly. a lot of things that happened in the summit that were real sketch exactly <laughs> when it came to one D. and that's the thing like they never even got into the the minutiae of this new new edition no. uh i mean they did a little bit but like when it comes to people who are going to throw a fit about that like i said like not everybody has a bunch of neuro spicy people at, at their table <laughs> neuro spicy yeah like the neurodivergent <laughs> people who are like no 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 we're not doing this and are going to throw a fit like that hasn't come up a lot but i i play with a lot yeah. of people that that, that sure. exact thing or like this is this is bigger than anything else that they were talking about this is a a much bigger issue um so it's just funny that this is coming up now and they're like oh really you're mad about what we're calling this i'm like yes Uh, who's surprised that people who play this fantasy (laughs) war game might have some semantic issues (laughs) like it's it's going to come up um exactly (laughs) um daniel kwan had some really good notes on the monk uh specifically as they talked about like how it relied on asian stereotypes and uh i'm gonna read in verbatim the response here because it was uh interesting response um Mm -hmm. how we're handling the monk uh this came from uh jeremy uh what jeremy's last name do you remember the presenter crawford thank you um one of the bigger wigs over there so how we're handling the monk is connected to how we are handling all of the classes here's what i mean by this i love the carpet speak already mm. here let me tell you that that isn't what i meant and let me tell you what i actually mean let me as tell I you the thing. Yeah. um the monk absolutely has had that problem and that has been something on our long list of things we're going to improve this in many ways i think the core of the issue is that there is not enough non-european representation in other classes and so one of the things that we're doing is making it so that there is non-european representation in all the classes so that when you get to the monk you no longer feel like oh this is the asian class then we're doing the flip with the monk we're ensuring that there is non-asian representation in the monk okay that's an answer um an it's answer. not yeah it's not the worst answer for sure and it's 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 recognizing some things but basically what they're saying like don't worry we're gonna add white people to the monk too yeah. uh, <laughs> don't worry we're gonna d- fully diversify all the other classes which we should have been doing from the offset anyway just to make it so the monk doesn't seem as asian but here's the problem with that the rhetoric of the word monk is going to make people think of like Asian monks because 
um or i guess like monks from like medieval europe but, but medieval like, european monk. monks don't have this martial no. arts trope exactly. and stereotypes <laughs> in media which is what the monk in this like it maybe it shouldn't be called monk maybe the yeah. class should be named something else let's lean into like why isn't it martial yeah. artist I was just about to say, like, why not martial artists? Because, yeah, while that still will have connotations of um, Asian influence, for sure, like, just in the the phrasing, because that's sure. where that whole, like, uh, tradition comes from. But there are other like, martial arts, and people are much more exactly. aware of them now, right? Like, I like I feel like that, that would have been the easier thing instead of going, don't worry, we're going to put white people in here, too, and add, add people of, <laughs> of uh. other, basically other stereotypes. Don't worry, we're going to put other stereotypes other places. It's fine. Yeah, like, don't worry no, about it. I, I just, the, again, also, it, it seems silly. Yeah, and didn't they also say that they are going to be changing key points to spirit points? Yes. Which is a very strange thing. Yeah, again, I think they're trying to get away from specifically like this East Asian mentality of, oh, martial arts and key power or chi. But spirit points is just even more nebulous. Yeah. Again, you have spirit points, and you say you're a monk. Like my head goes to okay, I'm like a friar, okay, and I, I have. Yeah. And it's like it sounds like a cleric subclass kind of thing. I, I, yeah. Just, why not martial artists? Why are they trying to do this? Or like so I don't. I know. That, but. I know with Asian cultures, like spirits and ancestral spirits are a huge thing in it's many Asian different cultures, cultures uh, even in outside many of cultures, Asian uh, for cultures, sure. but. Yeah, for sure. But when you tie something like a spirit point to a monk class that already has Asian connotations, you're just further going into the Asian stuff. In my personal opinion, I I haven't looked at um, other people's responses yet because, frankly, I've had a very busy week, so I've not had time to look into it. But from first glance, from my perspective, as not an Asian person, so like take my opinion, obviously, with a grain of salt. But, like, tying the word spirit points to the word monk and then having it basically be a martial arts class is, like, it's not furthering it away from, like, the Asian connotations of it, if that is indeed what they want to move away from. It's it, it's not necessarily further cementing it either, but it isn't improving it. And it's not the best word choice that they could have. As made. a cishet white dude, take my opinion with the shot of penicillin. <laughs> um, like, I, I, this just seems like the dumbest way to go about it. I'm glad they're yeah. saying, hey, we know this is a problem because that's good. But I don't think this was a good fix. Um, I think no. you could have changed this. I, again, make it a martial artist like Final Fantasy yeah. did. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> it's not hard. Um, but anyways, moving on. The new PHB will be bigger than the 2014 counterpart. 12 classes, 48 subclasses, and 9 species. Um, though they confirmed that that name isn't necessarily what they're going to go with when Thank it comes to. Uh, right. <laughs> um, there will be new backgrounds, feats, spells, equipments, weapons um they're adding more of aspects uh, of like the game like backgrounds described art for the backgrounds mm -hmm. fantasy vignettes um mm -hmm. to elevate the custom uh, the customization experience uh, is what jeremy said which is cool mm -hmm. um i yeah. guess uh backgrounds to us like as writers probably falls a little bit behind at our table we don't worry about picking a background necessarily unless like a player goes hey i don't really know what to do i point to a background and go well if you pick this background mm -hmm. it comes with these three things then you can write a story uh -huh. about it so yeah. again that's another thing at our table probably doesn't come up very often but for other people who don't write novels <laughs> like it might it <laughs> well, might be a powerful thing i mean backgrounds are i always use backgrounds but not necessarily to 
fill, fuel my backstory. I yes. do it for the bonus purpose. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. It's what feats do you have? What languages do you know? Yeah. What, I what want kit did you language. get as a starter? exactly like do i have am i a not a rogue but i want thieves tools oh pick this background like you'll get them exactly but i I think other people would find this more powerful um subclasses are going to be more distinct um Mm -hmm. jeremy mentioned a college of dance for the bard so dance bards is going to be a thing sounds that sounds pretty cool i i like that so like that's that's interesting um they talked about and we talked about this a little bit last week which is like the word lineage um is mm-hmm. a successor to race but they they went with this for species, species um, um uh daniel's got some good commentary about that i don't want to read verbatim mm-hmm. through all of their stuff here um yeah. trying to cherry pick some things that that people would be more interested in changing uh the half races thing i was um, just about to say is yeah, probably what we they, should talk about uh they're getting rid of half races is which how they worded it, their which reasoning behind weird. it is is forward thinking right the idea mm-hmm. is like oh this creates racial connotations and stereotypes and and racist ideas that are problematic. I understand that reasoning. Mm-hmm. Getting away, getting rid of half races, though, just wholly, instead of making them less problematic with the way that they're done in universe, um, will disenfranchise many people um, yeah. who, uh, who are uh, who are of mixed races in our world yeah. who find representation in things like half mm-hmm. elves and half orcs. Um, so you're just disenfranchising people when you don't need to. Um, yeah, I think they just got scared because yeah. they did release rules for half races, and everybody's like, "This is awful." And everybody's, and then they were like, "Okay, we're just gonna get rid of it." Then we're like, "No, no, no, we didn't tell you to get rid of it. No, we just said do it was the work. awful." And then just make it better because, yeah, like you said, like the existence of half races is a concept, while in the wrong hands. And because only like half orcs and half elves are in the player's handbook, yeah, like or in the fifth edition player's handbook currently, I should say, yeah, it's kind of iffy, but like just build upon it and then make it so give people rules or give people a specific set of rules that can't be like taken as just first first off bad rules. Because I think what was it that they you get like the appearance of one parent but then you get the stats of another one was like the rule or something. And it's just like, that's very cherry picky and also not how genealogy works or not biology, not how biology works. And Um, and like, they have a point, like the half construction is inherently racist. Like I I understand what they're saying there. Like you, like you can, you decide where you're going to fit in this, this society. Um, But the, the problem with it is, like I said, it's already going to disenfranchise more people. This yeah. seems like, well, I don't have the answer. And again, like I said, take my opinion with a shot of penicillin here. It seems like more work needed to be done on this idea. And yes. to their credit, they're saying this isn't the final idea. They're going to be doing other things along those lines to add to your ancestry within these races and what you pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see what that work is and trepidatious. Like, who yeah. is going to be doing that work is really important. Um, yes. Because I feel like a lot of the issues come from these ideas um and the people who go okay that's the idea we're working for have jerry figure it out and jerry looks exactly like me with a very limited Mm -hmm. background um Mm -hmm. of diverse cultures and they go well this seems better and maybe it is better but it's not the answer and i feel like this could be handled in a way that i just don't have the faith that they're going to 
that's the no, thing. because like they keep making the same mistakes. They're just like, we know we're making these mistakes. We're trying to do better. We know we're making these mistakes. We're trying to do better. I'm like, then do better because you keep apologizing for the same crap. Right. It's always that they're not hiring people who have like the right, maybe the right background to tackle this stuff, or at least like a, a working knowledge of it to make it better or consulting people when they should have been consulting people for years. Cause it's been industry standard for a while. Yeah. Like it's, they're actively making decisions and we don't know a hundred percent who is actively making these decisions. We can probably say Hasbro isn't giving them the money for it. And that's a pretty safe answer. It could be more internal. We don't know. We have no way of knowing they're never going to probably tell us right. what, where the issues are, but it's probably everywhere. And like, it's just more fuel, honestly, to just keep putting pressure on them because I'm stubborn and I'm not going to give up on D&D because I love D&D and I know it can do better. And I've, I've studied the history of D&D. I have seen it improve so much. It used to be 10 million times worse and change is never like a straight line. Mm -hmm. So like just keep, it, it, if anything, this just gives me more fuel to just be like, do better. I know you can do better. I've seen you do better. Do and better. hopefully they do. And like, I, I have faith that like they recognize this, like this idea was inherently racist to begin with. I mm -hmm. hope that means that they have people behind it that can help them create something cooler um, and yeah. something that isn't racist, um, if mm -hmm. not less racist, which is always a sad bar to try to hit. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I hope that they do that. I hope that they put in that work because I, I feel like you could come up with a really interesting idea that isn't offensive to many, many people. Yeah. Um, exactly. so I'm, I'm sitting here waiting. Um, next mm -hmm. up, they, like they talked about the new weapon options with weapon masteries, uh, uh, that require different, um, class features to unlock uh mm -hmm. it's it's meant to add more nuance i think that's a really complicated thing um mm -hmm. to create new combos i don't know necessarily they didn't go into a lot of detail about it but uh for the martial classes just know that they're they're changing stuff up basically mm -hmm. <laughs> um i'm interested to see that i i don't like that it's always the focus on the martial classes because lots of classes use uh, even if they're not martial use different yeah, weapons and... I love giving like my bard had a shield and mm -hmm. I loved like using that shield and flavoring that shield and like giving her things to do with weapons and like purposefully sometimes seeking out weapons just so sometimes I could like spice it up and not just do spells every combat and it's nice so like why yeah why not like for why not spice up the rules for like magic stabs too if you want to get like really like if you want to do like a hybrid thing of like here's a weapon here's how the magic weapon works but also here's just how a staff would work if it was specifically utilized for the purpose of let's say like being enchanted but it's not yet enchanted I'm yeah like the thing that we, we talked about like uh that. yeah the thing that we've talked about a lot when it comes to all these rules is uncoupling them maybe from um, mm -hmm. from from being attached to a class because while like that's cool one of the things that works for DD well is like okay you're you're a rogue this is exactly what you do when you level up you can pick your things but sometimes when you try to add that nuance to it then mm -hmm. you then you just get stuck or like well if i want to two weapon fighting i have to be this class because that's the only thing that lets me do it in a cool way that's mechanically worth it um mm -hmm. so it's cool that they're adding more more nuance to the the weapon mastery i wish it was a little more uncoupled um, yeah. 
but uh, I guess we'll see. The Graze Mastery property is fantastic and allows you to deal damage um, to your ability modifier for the weapon, even if you miss, which... Um, mm -hmm. Which is cool. That's something we've talked about a lot. Where it's like, if you roll less, like, okay, what does that mean? Is do they block it? Do they dodge it? And it was usually yeah. GM fiat mm -hmm. on how you describe that hit, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So graze is cool. It's a mechanic that is in literally every other game that I play. So that's exciting. <laughs> Thanks for finally catching up. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's exciting. They're they're making firearms, martial weapons. Um, being able to shift your weapon mastery around is going to be coming to the fighter. Eldritch Blast, a built-in ability for Warlocks instead of a spell. Um, there's going to be new additions. This is one that's actually more of a conversation because they didn't say a lot of it. But they're, mm -hmm. the, the new things that they're adding to the new books, so the monster manual, the DM guide, is prepping for new players and starting people off. So the, a lot of people, the big question that kept coming up in their conversation is, why do I need to buy the DMG? Um, yeah. and that's, we've talked about that here on this show, right? We're like, mm -hmm. we talked to Lisa. we're like, I don't know if I would recommend the DMG to a lot of people. Um, that's not mm -hmm. necessarily where I'd say to start doing it. And they recognize that. So it's DM prep and how to get your first session set up and communicating and facilitating the safe and fun storytelling at the table. Um, yeah. the concept of session zero and safety tools is also going to be in the DMG, which, which is, is very great. exciting. Yeah. I'm super, I'm super happy that they're doing that. That's a great step. 100%. Cause you know not everybody gets to play with friends that they've played with a thousand times and know exactly where the lines and veils are and you know while not every table i play at has an, an x card because a lot of people know each other very well i played a lot of tables where like it was necessary you know yeah. <laughs> like um so just any safety tools being put forward by the official game is is a good idea so i was excited about that and the idea that maybe the dmg won't be useless um and yeah. i know that that's harsh words but everything that's in the dmg right now other than actual <laughs> official rules which some are in there that are needed yeah. A lot of it is like, why well, I can hand you a better source for this information. I can Google this. Right, right, right. Instead of paying $60 for this book. Um, it's kind of like the, the teaching philosophy that I developed when I was in all of my teaching classes a couple of years ago. It's just like, I want to learn something that I can't Google. Right. Like, just make that, like, Player's Handbook obviously has a use. It's building characters. It's teaching players specifically how to play the game. But with DMs, they could just learn, read the player's handbook to learn how to play the game too. But like yeah. having it be specifically tailored for DMs, giving them examples, giving them way more in depth, like prep stuff that, yeah, sure. You could Google it, but it would be a lot better to have it compiled in this one place. It's, it's a good move. And I'm, I'm glad they're fixing it because I, I only use the DMG as it is currently for magic items. And even then, again, I Google them most of exactly. the time. Well, so. like, uh, I mean, I'll bust out my PDF because it's got some good tables in it, right? You know, oh, like, yeah, sure. But even then, yeah. like, a lot of the stuff that I would, uh, that I used to go to that for, I'm like, I found better ones online from other GMs and, mm -hmm. and other ideas. And a lot of GMing goes way past what's in the DMG now. It's the things that they're talking mm -hmm. about there is, like knowing how to have a safe table and knowing yeah. how to run a session zero these are things that are way more important than the stuff they have printed right now so yes that's all exciting to see um what else here uh 
Given the weapon changes, the 2024 Monster Manual will have most creatures over CR10 reworked, which is really exciting. Um, going like, hey, like they, they like, this combat keep would be beating unfair. these up, right? Fix it or losing terribly, <laughs> right? Like, uh, so uh-huh. yeah, seems... the CR system is broken, and they did say that they're like, yeah, the CR system doesn't work how we intended. They're like, oh, I'm glad you're finally saying that after what almost 10 years exactly of us and, telling you that. And I've played at so many tables where like. CR is nebulous. It's never mattered. Yeah. And I've always felt a little bit like, uh, um, a little like my, my, like handcuffed by it. Like the story I want to tell, like maybe a succubus is really important and be a really fun and interesting component in my game. But the CR level is nowhere close to what my party is. Right. Like, like they're going to, it's not going to be an interesting combat. They're going to fireball it and it's done. So what do I do there? You know, like Mm -hmm. that idea of them being coupled together as a GM, you slowly learn how to get past it. Like, well, we're going to use different stats. We'll still give them that spell and maybe we'll just up yeah. the health or whatever, you know, there's things that you yeah. can do, but that makes the monster manual basically superfluous. <laughs> like, no, exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to see them reworking most of those and recognizing that CR doesn't work. Um, yeah. So, and they're going to be adding way more things. It's going to be the largest monster manual they've ever published. So that's cool with all cool new art. Yeah. And uh, they mentioned apex monsters. Um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel was unsure if that was the actual term, but th- those are monsters over CR twenty, so like impossible oh, monsters, big BBEGs, like super you know? legendary. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's exciting, especially if you play in Forgotten Realms. Uh, that's that's a really For cool sure. idea. Um, the new DMG will show the reader a campaign in order to help new players create their oh, own. Um, nice. which Thank is God. a really good idea. <laughs> like, I would have loved to have that uh five years ago. Right, <laughs> a lot of uh, a campaign. <laughs> as a writer, like sometimes, like I'll grab, which just sounds like the douchiest thing, and I understand that. I want you to know that I recognize that, dear listener. All right, um, I'm still like, make fun of you. I'll open up a lot of guides or like go to the GM section of those, and a lot of where they start off with like. And I know DMG's messed around with this a little bit is like, here's how you tell a story. Beginning, middle, end, difficulties, change the characters. So when they do it, like they give you the story circle, yeah. you know, uh, the hero's journey. And mm. DMG specifically for D&D hasn't always done that in a great way, especially not in showing how it applies to the rules in a campaign order of how yeah. this goes and leveling up and like what that means yeah. and that connection between there. There's been some disconnect. So it's a good also, idea. Like- it's a great idea, but also I think the DMG of all books should recognize, like, <laughs> DMing is not linear storytelling. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. It's just not. And, like, when you go in as a new DM, especially if you have a writer background, like, I think we've covered this on one of our um, GM tips episodes that we've done. But, like, you you think, like, the game is going to have a beginning, middle, and end, and it might follow these arcs, and things will just happen that way, and you can, like, guide the story into, like, this perfect, like, beautiful arc that you've seen on, like, maybe Critical Role or Dimension 20 or whatever, and most of it doesn't happen like that. It's not linear in any way. It's mostly improv, and you, as long as you have the tools in your belt to make it work for you and everybody's having fun, you've had a great game. 100%. So hopefully having stuff like that in the new DMG and like acknowledging that and like, yeah, giving them the principles of storytelling and like, here's the hero's journey and here's things you should look out for. And here are things to help with character arcs. If, or if players are struggling, here's some like questions you can ask them, stuff like that to like really help mitigate it. 
I think that can only be a good thing. But yeah, don't treat it like a novel, please, because that's can, not how. <laughs> it's just not what it is. Like I've always compared it to um, like uh, visual media. So like uh, mm-hmm. to me, a campaign is a long running series, and you can do seasons mm-hmm. and really good one off episodes, and and it culminates into this was the fifteen seasons of this campaign. And yeah. when I do one shots, those are my movies, right? That's where I, mm-hmm. I try to tell a little bit more of a linear story, um, A, B, and C, uh, you know, the, the, the hero's journey, if you will, if you have to compare it to something like that. Sure. That's what I use those for. Um, mm-hmm. But it that really discounts like D&D and, and TTRPGs in general are their own thing, right? Like having them be like comparable to those other pieces of media does it a disservice. And the idea that they go, here's what a campaign would look like is a really good example because some people only have Critical Role or Dimension 20 or a movie or a TV Mm -hmm. series to compare to. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you said, it's just not that. (laughs) It's just not what it ends up being. it's, It's just not that. And like tampering expectations and like also giving tools and also validating all types of play styles as long as everybody's having fun is like you you think after playing D for a while that it's just a given especially if you've been playing with the same groups for a while but i always have to you know take a step back and i'm like what advice would i give to new gms mm-hmm. what advice would have been so helpful for me before i started and like having that in a dmg and having that like um, that mindset fostered from such an early stage is so important. And if the DMG is heading in that direction, it's only a good thing, honestly. Which again, which is why like D and D can do great things. There's just sometimes they fuck up a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> exactly, and I think we covered about most of the other bullet points here. A little bit more accessible, larger type font, um, and oh, then yep. specifically mm-hmm. for purchasing you're not gonna you're if you bought them on D D beyond your 2014 versions are not going away but they're not going to mm-hmm. give you the 2024 revised editions for free yeah you got to pay money for that. yeah of course i, I don't know Naturally. who thought that might be the thing but it's not so there's that um uh-huh. so that's our one D stuff that's our commentary and at least on from the secondhand information we could get from people who were able to attend the summit um please let me know what your thoughts are let us know you can email us um but we can move on i guess i'll mention the email right now since i just said it though it's good to <laughs> mention it more than one episode uh one per episode can't be kill creations at gmail.com you can email us over there or you can go to our website can't be kill creations.com and click on the contact us button and I'll give you a little wow. form submit that will send to that email. In fact, that's how it mm-hmm. works. So there's that. Works. <laughs> Go check that out. <laughs> um, finally, our last section, Bardic Inspiration. This is where we talk about all of the TTRPG and D&D adjacent news as it trickles out to other media, video games, movies, TV shows, comic books, etc. Um, first up is a little fun thing for me. Elaine Lee. Um, the mother of Brennan Lee Mulligan, as well as the creator of the Starstruck comic books and Universe IP, um, teasing a little bit about uh, what she cannot talk about, about the next season of Dimension 20, uh, which is going to be GM'd by Matt Mercer of Critical Role fame and heavily rumored to be the next season of Starstruck Odyssey, um, <laughs> which is my favorite season of Dimension 20 and many people's uh, uh, fan favorite. 
Uh, I'm very excited for the possibility of more Starstruck in Dimension 20. I'm excited to see Matt Mercer at the GM's uh, role Mm -hmm. there. So this is exciting. I just thought it was interesting. Specifically, she said uh, she can't talk about it, but it's all she wants to talk about, which is exciting. It means basically nothing, and we're going to speculate wildly, as the internet loves to do. Obviously. So I thought that was exciting. It was fun talking with everybody about that. They're like, oh my god, what does this mean? Is it this? Like, nah, probably not, but it was fun (laughs) for a few minutes. (laughs) <laughs> it's fun to have joy again you know? it is it is speaking of joy uh justice smith um the sorcerer from honor among thieves uh was asking for brennan lee mulligan's honor among thieves review specifically on twitter which was really fun to see and all of uh, brennan's friends and uh the adventuring parties that he's gm'd over the years uh coming to his defense explaining to justice smith that he will give a review eventually but he's on his honeymoon right now so he is not <laughs> replying to things <laughs> Which was pretty funny and exciting, and also true. Bradley Mulligan got married uh, just like a, a week or two ago, and everyone like it's so uh, very heartwarming for the fans to be like, "Oh, this is so exciting!" And I, we also want to hear his thoughts, but like, leave him be. He just got married. Um, got married, like, oh, Exactly, it was very sweet. Um, yeah. Next up, there's new Pathfinder video games coming from the studio behind Age of Empires. Um, this is exciting if you like those two things. If you don't, you will not give a shit. Um, I don't even, I've heard of Age of Empires and I know it's a big thing. I just, I have no idea what it is. give you the nerd rundown, but this comes from Alex Meehan over at Dicebreaker. So first off, let me give you the context. So Age of Empires, um, this comes from, uh, I can't even pronounce that studio, Bacom Studio from Tombs of Annihilation, Tales from Candlebeep. Um, but Age of Empires specifically is a real-time strategy game that's usually somewhat historically themed. Um, mm. And what you do, it's it's an RTS. You, you have a little army, and you build up your bases, and you explore the map, and you try to take down the other army. That's the win mm-hmm. condition in these RTSs is combat. You, you build mm-hmm. up your armor, advance through the ages, advance the technology that your army uses oh. from, you know, from spears all the way up to siege weaponry and take them down. Um, and it, because it's, it's, uh, historically themed, you usually pick a nation, um, and you go down their track as you advance. Um, mm-hmm. so it's exciting that Pathfinder specifically is going to be possibly in that, uh, so become working with Paizo to do something like that mm-hmm. is exciting. I hope, um, that they experiment a little bit, but also just yeah. give us Age of Empires, but with Pathfinder rules, um, or Pathfinder settings slash, you know, races, classes, species, whatever. Yeah. Ancestries. I'm curious. I'm curious, like, what their intent is behind this, because from the rundown you've given me, this, like, their Age of Empires isn't an RPG, right? Like, there's not a big story, really. It's a real time strategy game. Accurate. They have yeah. campaigns, um, that, that go through stories sometimes, or at least scenarios okay. that you go through. But it's all, different levels. it's all told. It's all told through combat, so it's like a war game. Yeah, yeah, it's 100% a war game. It is not. Um, so depending okay. on what they create, because they might do something different, that's always totally. the possibility. Like, I want to yeah. point to, as a good example, so XCOM, really good um, turn-based strategy game where, like, you play as, uh, you know, Marines fighting aliens that are invading. Um, mm-hmm. The XCOM game is very good, very fun. They got the license to do a Marvel game, and they announced Marvel okay. Midnight Sun, so everyone's expecting XCOM, but with Marvel heroes, which is what I yeah. wanted it to be. It was not that. It was a similar thing. It was kind of, you know, strategic, kind of move around, very similar to, like, Dragon Age Inquisition, um, but mm. but still turn-based. 
Uh, and you use like cards, uh, like you had a deck of cards for each character and that's what moves you could do on that oh. turn. It was, it's, it's a good game. I would say it's a very fun game. Not quite the flavor of just XCOM. Exactly. So like I have like both in this, like it's exciting. I love age of empires. I, I excited for them to do something with Paizo. Is it going to be this experimental thing that they're going to try to do? Or are we going to get age of empires, but with uh, a Paizo overlay that's pathfinder that's what i want specifically but you know yeah. that might not be what they want to create they haven't said yet later um but they're they're doing stuff so check that out yeah. um, <laughs> they already have a uh divinity original sin like when it comes to kingmaker so um mm. pathfinder is not like new to video games by any means um yeah yeah i i've, I've seen them like on sale on steam and I think I picked up one of them, mm -hmm. but I have yet to play the game. I would recommend the Kingmaker one because you love Divinity Original Sin that plays a lot I like do. that. I think that's the one I picked up. I Gotta don't remember. Be. It's not it's 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 the it's not the newest one. It's the one that they did the first time. I don't know. I'll look at it later, but yeah. Like get, I, get I think the information straight, Shark. God. I can it's a new my show. brain I I'm just on vibes today. I've established <laughs> this. Speaking <laughs> of vibes. My brain isn't working. I need to know your vibes on getting an exclusive yeah. early look at the latest Critical Role Mighty Nine Origins graphic novel over at yeah. Dicebreaker. You got a small snippet over there from that book. Mm. They have a few pages available. I didn't read it because I don't know anything about Mighty Number no. Nine. Um, or not Mighty Number no. Nine. <laughs> Mighty Number no. Nine is a very Mighty good, no. uh, not very good, uh, very disappointing uh, side-scrolling Mega Man-like. Um, oh. Uh, it, people were very excited. It was from the creator of Mega Man and. And it was not nearly as good as Mega Man. Um, but Mighty Nine uh, is one of the Critical Role campaigns. Um, yes. I will say the art is fucking awesome in this comic book. Um, worth going yeah. to check out just for that. Um, the snippet I'm getting here, like it looks interesting. I don't know any of the context here. Um, I do. <laughs> I know the context. I'm glad. Uh, are you excited yeah. about this? I know you, you read uh, comic books every once in a while. Is this something that you might pick up? Um. I mean, I read most of the Vox Machina Origins books because Vox Machina is my favorite of the Critical Role campaigns. Mm -hmm. The Mighty Nine, I didn't really, um, like, I got through half of it, and I, I kind of watch it occasionally, but I sure. haven't quite finished it. Um, but Molly Mock was my favorite character on of the Mighty Nine, for sure, until, you know, things happened. Um, and then that's about when I stopped watching, because I got mad about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um I'm. I would be excited. I don't know if I'll read it, and if I do, it'll. It won't be for a hot minute because my TBR is freaking huge. Yeah. But um, I'm ex from like when he woke. He for those who don't know, it's not really a spoiler because you find out very quickly in the Mighty Nine. Um, he has amnesia. He woke up and he dug himself out of his own grave. You you cut out there and... for a second, Char. Hold on. Mo Molly Muck, uh woke has amnesia. Yeah, Molly Mock has amnesia. He okay. his whole character, he woke up in a grave and he clawed himself out. And that's where the story of Molly Mock begins. And that's all the memory he has in the campaign with the Mighty Nine. So it's showing him like crawling out of his grave and finding his found family in the circus. Yeah. So and that's, I think that's, that's the, the premise. Yep, that is that that is the graphic. All of the origin series are it shows the the backstories the of backstory. each character, like not the Yeah, brave so if you and... so if you know the backstory of the Mighty Nine character, you probably know this like what's gonna happen. But like it's good for critical role fans for sure. And it's nice to like see it 
played out and like getting into the nitty gritty details maybe weren't covered in the campaign like other side characters and other plot threads that maybe just weren't expanded upon because of certain events in the campaign so looks we, very interesting yeah definitely I, i'm probably gonna pick these up just because uh, so many of my friends really really dig critical role and there's just so much of that that i just can't jump so into much. um yeah. but i i've enjoyed watching vox machina and i've heard those graphic novels are also really good so i'm gonna check out some of that mm -hmm. um my wife also really likes vox machina so um it'll be exciting they've announced that they're gonna do um the mighty nine as a series as well so mm -hmm. if i get really yep. into these comic books hopefully if it's not 100 canon to the show at least it'll be somewhat relevant um yes I, I don't know the status of that canon like are those comic books canon um, to the, the yes. show or are they canon yeah. to the campaign so they came out when the ship well i think they started doing the vox machina comics in the very early days of mighty nine so vox machina campaign was over so they were it was like a way to keep the characters from vox machina alive before the kickstarter happened with mm -hmm. the the tv show so as far as i know the comic books are canon to the game but not but the show. i i don't or know possibly. about the show because nebulous they, with the show nebulously with the show because naturally when you adapt an improv D, D game to television you have to like change some stuff mm -hmm. but i think congenially and like vibe wise it you can very easily because i think the first vox machina origins were for vex and vax maybe mm -hmm. or was it vox machina's first adventure it was one of those two i think oh, no the first one was their first like one shot adventure that they did with Matt and they comic bookized it into this like very short run with I think Dark Horse from the offset. Yep. So that was canonically part of their game that they just put in comic book form. And then they started branching out into, oh, let's do everybody's origin stories, which was just part of their backstories, which would be canonical in the game. But I yeah, tangentially with the show, <laughs> I think. I think you can enjoy both. All for right. sure. And well, like get a good vibe. I will check them out and let me know, dear listeners, if you check that out. Um, moving on, more Critical Role news. Uh, Critical Role's new space we western podcast, Mitts, uh, started as a tabletop RPG setting. Um, are you familiar with this, Char? Um, I'm only tangentially uh, aware of the story. This comes from Chase Carter over at Dicebreaker. Um, it was it was on Twitter when it happened. Mm -hmm. I still don't 100% understand. I think Mist is a podcast, an actual play podcast mm -hmm, with a bespoke original setting and maybe system. Yeah. And Critical Role purchased Mist and I think is, I don't even, I don't know if they're going to start appearing on mist if they're going to do like a new campaign on the podcast with mist if they are just purchasing it and then giving it more producing power so that mist can keep doing what they're doing just with a bigger budget that's what it seemed um, like the idea was at least by yeah. critical role's specific announcement like they said critical role has always believed in the positive impact of storytelling and we're excited to have the opportunity to amplify stories beyond the world mm. of Alexandria while empowering these innovative creatives um so it really seemed like they're like hey we're just gonna you know put more eyes on this we're gonna buy it it's gonna be over here critical roles network um mm -hmm. which it like i know it seems kind of heavy. like yeah people do this all the time this is a bigger deal because critical role specifically hasn't done things like this before no this is the first time yeah they've done this. um they've when they've done other other games it's usually been in Alexandria or some mm -hmm. sort of tie-in but with the people from it bringing in other names like mm -hmm. i'm thinking of like the elden ring one shot they did um mm -hmm. 
Uh, but like for the most part, it's been in that world and it's been with characters or settings that are tangential and they brought in other names, but they still would have somebody from critical role. Usually at least two yeah. or three of them at that table. This is the first time mm -hmm. they're like, we're buying something. It's not related to Alexandria. It's not with any of the people from Alexandria. So like, that's mm -hmm. interesting. I'm, I'm going to check it out. I had never even heard of Mitz before. Me either. Um, so th that's exciting. Uh, I, it's exciting. yeah. Yeah, go check it out. Let me know if you're already a big fan of this. But I, I talked to a lot of people that listen to a lot of like actual plays and no one had heard of it yet. Um, which is maybe part of the reason Critical Role did it. Like maybe maybe they have a friend who does it, which is totally fair. And like it, it's just a friend's podcast that they want to, you know, lift up or they saw the potential of this podcast and just wanted to use their platform to lift it up, which people have been telling Critical Role to do for a while. Right. Like to... Um, not necessarily advertise, but to promote more diverse content because their cast is basically like all white. So like get more people of color guest stars and uh, produce more shows with minority groups and stuff in it. So this is them doing that or starting to do that even more so than they were doing with like Exandria Unlimited. So it's a good step. And it also means like, what are, what are they going to buy other things? Like, is this the first thing of many announcements? Who knows? 100%. And uh, speaking of that, we should do an eye of the beholder next week or maybe or in the coming weeks. And I, I want to talk about, do they potentially like blow everything up and start a new game? Is that a thing that, that we think mm. that might happen? Um, because that's, that's a big rumor right now. And I'm just oh, interested to talk to, Aww. yeah, I'm just, I'm interested to talk to somebody who really likes critical role um yeah. and i i want to know what your thoughts on that would be if they were to start something new um would you mm -hmm. be excited for it i know a lot of people who really like vox machina and want to get into critical role but find it very daunting because of the setting it is ties together so if they started something it new is. speaking just purely anecdotally from the people i've talked to and for myself i'd watch it i'd be really into yeah. something new from them yeah so for sure that'd be interesting uh moving on to honor among thieves bardic inspiration um more characters coming from DD to magic the gathering they have cards specifically for the main cast of uh yeah of the movie yeah. yeah um it's cool if you're still really into magic the gathering in DD. i left that world behind um if this would have come out come out like maybe i don't know about a decade ago i'd have all of these cards um <laughs> it's very very exciting but they have, you know, Chris Pine's character, uh, uh, the guy from, uh, was it 40 Weeks? What's the name? Uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Thank Grant? You. <laughs> Hugh Grant. Couldn't think of Hugh Grant's name. It's is bothering me there. It's vibes. Um, it's vibes. It is. Right. It's just vibes. But they, they have the druid. They have the sorcerer. They have the bard. Mm -hmm. They have the rogue um in the barbarian so like, go check that out which is just it's it's exciting to see that oh, they're doing this yeah. oh they have the paladin character as well zank um yeah, yeah. The, the cards look really cool they look just like the the actor's likenesses oh um, for sure yeah i was yeah. i was kind of surprised usually like they'll do like a little bit of a florist or like no 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 we have chris pine we're gonna use chris pine like, we <laughs> we're have, gonna use chris pine like that is what <laughs> we're doing here so that's they know exciting they know a good thing when they have it like, <laughs> to be honest chris pine is a good thing exactly and the other thing is just just a fun little article coming from Dicebreaker. Um, and people kind of knew this. They talked about this before the movie. If you went and seen Honor Among Thieves and in tons of different 
press junkets. But Matt Jarvis is a little write up about the game that the the party played um, before they all played D and D as their characters uh, before the Aww. movie. Uh, they ran yeah. a little one shot, so that's kind of exciting. Um, it's good, like, Ew. like you'll hear about like when you watch like a comic book movie, you're like, oh yeah, what did you do to prep for this role? Like, well, I read every single appearance of this character, and I really wanted to mm. see what the idea was behind it. Can't do that for D and D necessarily, no. right? <laughs> Cannot. But like, this is the next best thing, right? Like that idea was like, no, we went and played. Like it was, and I, I specifically I liked Chris Pine's reaction when he was like, oh, I learned what D and D was, and like it's fun. Like if you're an actor and you like improv, like you just get to try out that character. It's like running mm-hmm. scenes and improving, but it's the whole thing. Uh, yeah. And it was it was fun to see a bunch of different actors who hadn't played, and then to hear about um, Justice Smith and I forget the name of the actor who played the Druid. Do you know their name? Oh, gosh. Uh, Sophia Lillis. Sophia, like, talking about her very interesting character from high school, um, which vibrated, and their catchphrase was, it's not a sexual thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the most D&D BS thing I've ever heard. Exactly. so much. It was so amazing. But hearing that there was, like, some D&D nerds already in the party was exciting. So go check that out. It's, It's a fun read. But also just, I love that that they're they're open to it because i think people forget that a lot of actors are just nerds uh they're not always nerdy mm-hmm. about the same things as, as other nerds but acting is a nerdy thing inherently you know <laughs> like go talk to a theater kid i promise you won't be disappointed yeah. <laughs> all theater kids are nerds just by association it, it just is it's mean, just like like sports fans a lot of sports fans are super fucking nerds and you can't tell me otherwise nerds. it's just what you're nerdy about um so check that out uh we are gonna do our review and our little talk back about honor among thieves soon as soon as lissa gets uh her hands on some tickets and goes to see it uh so look for that over on our patreon uh speaking of patreon you can find us over there patreon.com slash can't be killed creations drop her buck or two uh, we appreciate the support if you want the stuff for free, but if you want to extra support us, you can go over there. You get extra content, early content. Um, sure does. Uh, sure. Sure does. Uh, sure does lore rewrites over there. Uh, last month, uh, who did you do? Last. Oh, uh, uh, I forget. Was, was it <laughs> Lolf last month? It might have been. No. Oh dryads. No. No. Nymphs. Nymphs. Nymphs <laughs> did that. Oh my god. I do the art over there. Alyssa does uh Alyssa does the designs. Uh Shar does the rewrites, making it far less problematic than D D. Low bar, but Shar does a very, very good job. Um <laughs> so I try. Exactly. So check those out. There's also Slavenly Trolls After Dark and lots of other little tidbits on there. So go check out our Patreon. And then if you want to get all the stuff for free, head over to campykillcreations.com. You can contact us over there with the contact us form and get all of the content that's for free there you can also email us can't be kill creations at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at cave trolls pod uh i'm on twitter at resident stevel or you can check out my comic books t.s luther is my pen name i'm all wherever comic books are sold find my stuff over there i i would appreciate it you might not like it but that's okay you don't have to um my wallet will appreciate it <laughs> I, mean, I hope it's for them i want it to be for them um, <laughs> Shar, where can the people find you online 
Uh, they can find me as the best half of the Slovenly Trolls podcast, where we talk about D&D's problematic history and all the stuff that I bitched about for 30 minutes today, <laughs> but also <laughs> how they've improved and how we as players and DMs can also improve the game ourselves by looking at the past and learning from it. And then I also run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls. Yay! Yay! <laughs> all right. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I did the thing where I, I didn't end the recording and I actually did, just left the Discord call. Once again, we have that special time where we get to thank our Patreon producers. Right now, we have Kim Winson, Jeremy Raymond, The Lorax, and Trellbot. Thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on, the mics rolling. You keep chicken sandwiches in our pockets and you keep us having fun on the mic. Thank you so much. Thank you.